welcome to Demo Tapes, a music podcast which hits rewind on the careers of some of the world's biggest bands to reminisce about their breakout moments. I'm Sarah Jane Kemp and this, my companion on this trip down memory lane, is Rick Martin. So, Sarah Jane Kemp, you've added, you've added an extra name <laughs> Do you know what, to Sarah your, Jane is my actual name. name. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, and you are the, the Robin to my Batman. The Lennon to my McCartney, we've decided. The Morrissey to my Mark, or is it the oh, well, the, the Meg to my Jack? The Meg, to, ooh. The Hotel to my VV, or whatever way around it is in the kills. I yeah. Jack to Meg. I'm, I'm probably Meg, about as talented as Meg, to be honest. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I'll I'll definitely take the talent of Jack. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So thanks for hitting the download button on this week's episode. Maybe a bit of a change of gear for us this week. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of the last thing we want this podcast to become is something kind of obvious and kind of an obvious linear narrative through the kind of history of, of indie uh, rock and roll. Um, so with this in mind, we've kind of decided to go back and look at the beginning stages uh, of Azealia Banks, uh, kind of US rap's enfant terrible. As, as enfant terrible. Get your accent yeah, better. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Sorry all the French um, out there. But actually, I, I was thinking about this when we came to record this pod, and actually there maybe is a, a bit of a linear narrative between New Rave and Azealia Banks as some of her influences, which we can kind of come on to a little bit later we on, can, I think. yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess in particular here, we wanted to go back and look at how 212, uh, as you'll all remember that song, I'm sure, uh, briefly took over the world back in uh, 2011, and, and reflect on Azealia's career since, which has been a bit of a roller coaster ride, to put it mildly. Yeah, I think to put it mildly, yeah. <laughs> um, and she's, you know, especially recently, even today and, and yesterday, she's definitely become, probably become more known for her controversies than, than her music. So yeah, we're just kind of, we're going to go into it, and, and Rick has um, a bit of an interview with her from from his enemy days as well which is which is great and pro- a little bit unexpected actually i think yeah i mean it's one of those i found in the vaults that i'd forgotten i even did but it was around the time that 212 was kind of blowing up she'd been put on top of uh, enemies uh, cool list which is just a stupid thing enemy did every year <laughs> wasn't particularly d- uh, democracy just stuck anyone on the top that they could put on on the cover that year but, you know people listen to it i used to, i used to read it i used to i used to wait for that list to come out it was amazing really i yeah, I, 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 I used to dread when that was put together i think i ever really voted when the list went around the well, office well probably because you you thought it was a load of well because you knew how it all worked <laughs> it probably wasn't, wasn't but i think before all that we should say uh that we did launch uh demo tapes yesterday i know this is going to sound like a weird wibbly wobbly timey wimey thing because we're actually on episode four yeah. but to remove a little bit of the mystique uh when you start a new podcast and i say this as someone who sounds like a seasoned podcaster uh rather than someone who's put a couple of episodes out on on, on you iTunes. just say we need a new studio well exactly yeah <laughs> um my, my kind of deaverish demands yeah but yeah we launched uh yesterday with the the first arctic monkeys podcast and um i guess we're, we're a little bit overwhelmed with some of the response we've we've had you know in terms of people do seem to be to be listening which is great I'm liking um, it you know we've had tweets we've had Instagram messages we've had everything and this morning it was really really cool to wake up and uh, I think we both looked at the email inbox first thing this morning didn't we um, and we had we just want to give a, a massive shout out to a guy called Jack who lives in hmm. Utah Jack <laughs> just, from Utah it yeah. sounds brilliant but um, he yeah he just emailed us to say how he already loves it and really wanted to subscribe um, and he you know you can now subscribe on iTunes which is a exactly what he's done he said it um he said in the beginning of his email i have no idea what time well i had no idea what time it was he was sending it but he said he was a bit tipsy which i absolutely yeah. loved so he's probably listening to us a bit tipsy it's, it's, kind fi- of, it's five o'clock somewhere yeah so five o'clock he somewhere can, he can be a bit tipsy yeah. yeah but i think it's also a good chance for us to um because we haven't mentioned this on either pods yet uh give everyone a bit of direction as to where you can find us on social and find the pods so yeah we are in uh, the itunes store and apple Podcasts now we're on spotify we're obviously on audio boom um as well uh, and then we've also got uh, the social media accounts so twitter we are at demo tapes pod 
same for the Instagram at Demo Takes Pod. And then if you go to those accounts, you can kind of find Sarah's uh, Twitter account. You can find my Twitter, my Instagram, her Instagram. That's if you're interested in that's hearing you're, what rubbish yeah. we're getting up to on a day-to-day basis. Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> There's I mean, a, lot of, a lot of selfies on my uh, Instagram profile, much to Rick's dismay. And the fact that he says he doesn't understand them makes me want to do them even more. So watch out. <laughs> might do some sneaky behind the scenes shots of Rick as well without him knowing well you, you already have I, 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 <laughs> I, only, I discovered to kind of my horror there was a shot at the back of my head recording one of the pods a few weeks <laughs> thinking ago. deeply thinking deeply about something yeah uh, anyway I think we should crack into um, into this week's show and again um, we're talking all about Zelia Banks this week um, so I guess first question Sarah you know we're saying that 212 kind of took over the world um, in, you know, I think it was kind of the midpoint in 2011. Do you remember where you were when you first heard it? I do indeed. I was actually working at um, a very, very famous fashion PR agency. I didn't do fashion PR, I was working in the lifestyle division. Um, Well, you can judge that on the way you dress. Judge that on the way I dress. Okay, thanks for that. Um, I do dress like a boy, it's okay. Um, And it was really kind of, I think it's interesting, this this point that I wanted to make was it was was kind of, I think her launching this song was a bit of a statement to multiple subcultures in London at the time because it captured everyone. I mean, to the point of the fact that she was, she made the NME coolest. I mean, NME was traditionally a rock magazine and where I used to go for all of my indie knowledge. And I think I was at a point in my life really where I was having a little break from indie music and, and venturing out to discover more music and being kind of moving to London, having done my degree, working in a fashion PR agency um, allowed me to branch out a bit. Um, and my enemy days, you know, I'd still read it a little bit, but I definitely broadened my horizons. But I think, yeah, what, what was really interesting with this, um, especially, you know, 212, is that she managed to firmly plant herself in both worlds. So I still had my, you know, a, a toe in a dip in like the enemy kind of world but also I was in another world in a fashion PR agency where it's much mm. more different kind of different culture but then she kind of exploded onto the scene in, 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 and kind of encapsulated everybody which I found very very interesting and time. musically it was such a statement I think I think um, you know A it was pretty much three, three songs in one so it starts with that um, that Lazy J Float My Boat I call it a sample I mean it's basically the, the bed of the whole uh, yeah. track but then and I think we'll come on to this in the interview a little bit later I think it really kind of showed the sides of her you know you've got the kind of opening rap bit uh, it's all about you know lesbian sex and, and it's quite confrontational then there's a bit in the middle where she's kind of singing and showing a kind of R&B side and she was from a a kind of musical theatre background. I'm not sure how well known that is, but that's kind of where uh, she came from. And then kind of the ending is more like the aggressive, almost like Missy Elliott-esque, I would say, uh, kind of mm. kind of rap, rap element. And have you read the lyrics? I went on, just before we came to recall this, actually, I just went and had a, a little reminder of, of the lyrics, and I don't really want to read any of them out. Yeah, <laughs> But I, mean, I was reading them again. Ah, oh, cool. You know, I... I because I guess when when I hear a song like that, especially when it's quite quick, like she's talking very very quickly, and you don't always hear all of the words, so actually going back to read it, it does make a lot more sense when you when you're reading it mm. um, from Wikipedia. I think it was. I mean, there's not much <laughs> reading between the lines, is there? I mean... uh, no, uh, definitely not. But I just like her play on words as well. It's like, you know, watch the way she's presented it is 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 fun and. It's, you know, you, you had all of the, I just remember all of these uh, kind of fashion PR girls running around the office singing those lyrics and I just, 
you know, what? <laughs> pretty bad, pretty bad. And I, I don't think you could go anywhere in terms of, uh, you know, bars and clubs at the time without hearing this song. It was kind of everywhere, wasn't it? It was definitely everywhere. I mean, I've got a good story from this time, actually. I don't know whether I should say it on the podcast, but I might just kind of... Yeah, go on, come a, on. A dumbed-down version of it. You can't say that and then not tell <laughs> us the story, so come on. Well, it involves Kate Moss. Oh, okay. um, So, yeah, I mean, at this, th- at this time in my life, I was kind of getting to... It was it was really fun to work at this agency because I was being subjected to lots of interesting famous people. Um, I mean, models aren't traditionally known as easy people to work with, are they? Well, I don't. The thing is, I don't. We weren't working with her. She was just at a party that we were. um, Our agency was uh, put on. Um, so she was she was there dancing with her friend and, and essentially the, the watered down version is I got into an argument with Kate Moss in a toilet but the reason I remember this for this podcast is I remember 212 playing in the background and all the models okay, dancing so to Azealia Banks yeah. <laughs> so this is my soundtrack to 212 <laughs> yeah so I got into an argument with her well it was kind of her friend was being a little bit strange let's say and then I walked yeah I walked into the loose and Kate Moss was kind of stood in front of me trying to mediate an argument between me and her friend um, which t- even to this day is is very very surreal, uh, but yeah. So two one two is my Kate Moss life t- uh, soundtrack to to my life. Which is quite funny in the sense that as we're going to come on to a little bit later in the podcast, you know, Azealia got known for more for kind of her feuds and and beefs yeah, with with she, kind of other artists. I mean, to the point that even her song follows people around who are having beefs with you know, in your case, of all people, okay. uh, Kate Moss. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to mention about two one two, you know, when I think back on this and. You know, a bit of a guide in, in in how to have a viral hit, which is which is pretty much what it was, is that iconic video. You know, uh, the the black and white, mm-hmm. very simple idea. You know, it wasn't yeah. high budget, literally just her in a in a Mickey Mouse Mickey jumper. Mouse. I think it's framed just in one shot. I don't think there's more than one shot in in the video. Yeah. Um, and you know, I wonder if when they were putting that together, they realised quite how iconic that that video was going to become. I think also, you, you know, you you made a nod to the fact that she comes from a um, a musical theatre background. You can kind of tell in that video because she's got everything, and you don't. I don't think they needed anything else apart from just her wearing a bit of a statement jumper. But, you know, I think at the time there were lots of people wearing things like that. Like uh, I do remember Mickey Mouse faces on T-shirts and bags here and Mr. there. Mr. Michael Mouse. Mr. Yeah. Michael. Mr. Michael Mouse. But yeah, no, I think um, it, the video has kind of gone down in history as much as the song has I think they were both they both complemented each other really well I, I love it I still I loved it at the time I used to used to get me going in the gym like that was a gym song for me at the time I used to go bonkers on the running machine when it when it came on and um, I still love it now it still gives me like as much excitement as it did back in back in those days when it was released Sure. And, I, and I think when we think about that release as well, when I when I think of the kind of the reason why it crossed over, I mean, she was really a bit of an indie kid. Um, you know, I remember being in the enemy office, and we weren't just listening to the two one two, you know, two one two of the track, the the video and the track for that, but. The, the, some of the covers she'd done, you know, she covered uh, the Strokes, she covered Interpol songs. I love that Strokes, that Strokes cover. It's like it's like a, a garage, like house, dis, a bit like Disclosure, and she can sing. She's got the perfect voice for those kind of songs. So yeah, it was her cover of um, of Barely Legal, um, which I think gave it, it, kind of, it kind of gave it almost a bit of an R and B spin. You know, that that was one of the kind of classic tracks on the Strokes mm. debut album. Is this it? Um, and I think what I always love about a cover, and, and I'm sure you've got others of these in mind, is where an artist takes uh, a song from one genre and just kind of completely flips it into another, and it and it really kind of works. Yeah, you'd have no idea. Well, you'd not have no idea, but unless you really knew that song as well by The Strokes, I don't think you'd really know. If you'd have heard it in passing or you kind of knew it a little bit, I don't think you'd actually know because she's completely changed it around. She's made it. I, I love it. I've listened to it about four times today. 
And in terms of, you know, her, her kind of tastes and, and particularly those kind of indie tastes, I mean, it's something even, you know, seven years on now from, from that interview that she's still recommending new bands. You're hearing the, the, the interview I did with Azira a little bit later in the podcast, who gives some indie recommendations and kind of wipes the floor with me in terms <laughs> yeah, of Yeah, I love this. Knowledge. This is my favourite part. But, uh, I mean, who she's been recommending recently? I know uh, Gum, who are like that offshoot of Pond, who are that offshoot of... Tame Impala, who we're big fans of. Um, She also loves Franz Ferdinand, which is why I love her so much, because they're a band close to my heart. But yeah, I follow her on Instagram, and recently I saw her posting um, a screenshot of her playing You Could Have It So Much Better. So I think that's pretty cool as well. Um, I also read that she did a Rolling Stone interview recently, and she was talking about um, Interpol. You know, she loves that. She obviously loves the Strokes as well. But she doesn't just love indie. She's really into kind of rap music as well and there was a bit in the interview where they asked her you know, what she thinks about um, the kind of gregarious rap music that's going, coming out at the moment she's like well to be honest you know would I pay and go and see to go and see these rappers as a punter yes would I work with them probably not so she's a very strong-willed woman and you know regardless of what people think of her you know she can be quite controversial but I think she's I like her and I think she's got balls to be able to just say what she wants and, and do what she wants and I think she's gonna I think she's gonna I predict she's gonna come back and she's gonna wipe the floor with some of the artists that are, are out now particularly the, the artists that she's having feuds with at well, the yeah, moment I mean, which we'll come on to it a, a little bit yeah. later in the pod and I think just kind of return to your point there about um, you know her her kind of the, the, the range of genres that she's interested in I mean I don't think for a second we're sat here saying that artists throughout the ages have not have not kind of been into you know, there's not been different crossovers between rap and rock. I mean, you think of Aerosmith, Run DMC is kind of the obvious, yep. and yep. Coldplay, Jay-Z. But I think maybe maybe what kind of springs to mind to me with her is that she kind of emerged at a time, I think, when Spotify was really kind of on the rise. I know Spotify had been around a couple of years by that point, and kind of the point where I think the walls were really starting to come down between genres, you know, to the point where mm-hmm. rappers, for example, like The Weeknd was sampling a band like Beach House on... Yep on that House of Balloons uh, mixtape that came out, or, you know, that was a time when Coldplay and Jay-Z were starting to collaborate. So I guess for me, there's almost there was almost a point in in the kind of, the, the early tens, is that what the teens, is that what the, oh, the decade's know. called? <laughs> where really the walls came down to the point where now, I would say there are almost no walls between genres these days, just because of the way that Spotify and SoundCloud and... Yeah, it's kind of opened everything up to, to be meshed together, hasn't it? And I mean, But it goes, as you say, it goes back, you know, 1981, Grandmaster Flash opened for The Clash in New York City. Apparently, it you know, people were booing them at the time because it just wasn't heard of, you know. Mm. you Back in those days, you know, the, you had all of the different subcultures musically and culturally as well. And I think, you know, I think we might have touched on this in another pod, and if we haven't, we will do at some point in terms of different kind of subgenres and how they don't really exist anymore but I think you're mm. right that Spotify and technology probably broke that down and whether it's a good or a bad thing I don't know and I don't know what you guys think it would be good to hear from you what, what you think as well because um, people complain now there are no scenes don't they they say you know there's no yeah. indie scene anymore there's lots of indie bands yeah 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 but you know even we're talking in the Arctic Monkeys episode 2 of this pod there was a real Sheffield scene or the Manchester scene and um... yeah I mean I, I do I do miss that if I'm honest I'm, I'm definitely in the I miss it camp do I think it's a good thing I don't know I need to think about it a bit more but that I definitely felt a sense of belonging at when I was a teenager, kind of coming into my early twenties, because that I knew exactly if I met someone and they were into the same band as I was, I knew we were going to be lifelong friends. Um, it was it was just that kind. You know, you'd see someone walking down the street wearing a t-shirt or a pair of Converse, and you'd know that they'd be into the same things as you were. Whereas now, it's you know, 
anyone wears Converse. It's not the same as it was. Mm, mm. You know, that just that's just one example. But anyway, we're, we're kind of digressing. We are massively bit. digressing. Is so maybe this is a good time uh, to play out the interview with uh, Azealia Banks. Um, yes, and I just got to say, I can't believe that uh, she sounded like she'd sounded on this interview. I, I was really actually quite surprised. Um, she sounds completely different to anything that I've heard, read, musically, interview-wise ever before so I don't know whether she is like this all the time or whether you caught her I, th- I think she was getting out of a car wasn't she I think she was shopping I guess it was an interesting moment in kind of two ways you know number one she was just surfing that crest of the wave in terms of 212 mm. uh, I was ringing to tell her that she was on top of uh, Enemy's ludicrous cool list I make mm. no bones about the Enemy cool list being a, a kind of ludicrous marketing invention that, that I mean half the staff were embarrassed by it anyway every year when that came out but anyway you know it was to let her know that she was in that list um, and that 212 was blowing up. She was unsigned at this point. She hadn't signed a record deal yet, but she had been working with uh, producer Paul Epworth, and I'll let mm-hmm. her go into a little bit more about that. And, um, yeah, she was in a cab at the time, so there's points in the interview where um, she's she's kind of paying for a fare and asking yeah. where, she, where she's going. Um, so I thought that, that was kind of a, an interesting um, sort of aspect to that. I suppose the other thing she's keen to talk about is kind of her excitement about an upcoming tour um, with a couple of of kind of more indie-leaning kind of bands, I guess. Um, and some of her musical influences and some of the kind of bands that she recommends that her fans um, check out. So, yeah, I'm really interested for everyone to hear this. I think what you will notice is, by this point in my career, I had invested I in a digital dictaphone. So you will be able to hear every single word she's saying. And uh, I'm really glad that you'd, you'd forked out the cash for this, Rick. You know, you, 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 you went up in the world. Well done. I'd gone from the £10 Argos recorder that I was using for the Arctic Monkeys interview to maybe a 30 quid digital dictaphone. So there you go. Well, you know, it worked. So so here we go. Well, without further ado, should we listen? Yeah, let's, let's play it out. Yeah, this is uh, Azealia Banks recorded back in October uh, 2011. And yeah, I hope you find this uh, kind of as interesting as we did when we uh, rescued it from my mountain of old interviews. So obviously... We're here to uh, to speak about the fact you came on top of our cool list. Uh, how does that feel? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't really feel like anything. It just kind of makes me like, uh, here we go. <laughs> I mean, were, were you surprised? Did you did you kind of know that, that that it was coming, or was it just a complete surprise when you you sort of found out and saw the magazine? Um. It wasn't a surprise because I got interviewed by you guys maybe a couple of weeks back while I was in London and some and the guy um, the guy who interviewed me told me that I would be like pretty high up on the list and I, I didn't know I would be number one but like when I found that out I was just kind of like oh no like <laughs> oh no now it's like you know now it's like a thing. And, and have you kind of noticed that kind of an uplift in like activity in terms of interview requests and that sort of thing? Is it has it kind of gone a bit crazy since it came out or is uh, things kind of going along as they, they were um, before? Not really, it was, it was kind of crazy before, you know, um, oh so yeah, like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been kind of like the same, like it was pretty much, it was pretty crazy, like just kind of in the first, like, you know, post you guys did about me and like, um, the pitchfork stuff and, you know, like it, it was kind of already crazy, but it, yeah, it didn't, it didn't like increase, like, but and, I mean, I definitely had a bunch more followers on Twitter and like, you know, a bunch more of like views on the 212 and stuff like that, so that's good, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've read somewhere that you, you kind of used to read Enemy, you know, as, as a, well, I suppose you're still quite young, you know, you, you've read Enemy for quite a few years 
Uh, before mm -hmm. to, had you seen the cool list before? Were you aware of like that we ran this every no, year? No, it wasn't. It wasn't something that I like ever really like. Kind of like it, it wasn't something that I ever paid attention, like paid like you know like real attention to. I kind of was just like I would just kind of like read it just to like like and like literally like not even to sound funny, but I would just like read it and like whoever was on the cover or whatever like band had like a spread, I would go and like go on LimeWire and download some of the songs or whatever, and then that would be like mm. my way of like staying up on music and stuff like that. You know, like I don't know when you're like fourteen, fifteen, you're not really like reading articles, you know what I mean? You're more so just kind of looking at pictures and then you're like, oh, this, these people look cool. So let me like, you know, check these guys out. Hold on a second, right here is cool. How much? Eight ninety. I'm sorry, I'm just like getting out of a taxi. All right, I was going to say it sounded like you were in a shop or something. Yeah, no. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't want you to think that I'm like being ungrateful or anything like that. Um, hold on a second. I don't want you to think that I'm like sounding ungrateful or anything like that because it's not it at all but it's just kind of like you know I don't know it's just kind of like you know you know how it is and whatever you, you know how it is like with like the media and stuff like that you know you're like a hot shit one minute and then it's time to do one long thing like you know they're ready to just fucking like toss you out the window and like so I'm just trying my hardest not to like get attached to like the attention and attached to the love and just kind of like stay focused on my music you know? It, it, it kind of sounds from what I've read in your other interviews that you really think you've got the music to back up all this hype. And although this has all come quite quickly, that you know, you're yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. But you know, like it's—I mean, the media has a lot of power. You know, like um, you know, like you know, like I'm not even like you know, like a lot of people are now like, okay, this girl's cool. So it's mm. kind of like, instead of like the one uncool thing and you guys like make something uncool that I've done, then it's kind of like, you know, okay, like, fuck, what do I do? Not, not really like, fuck, what do I do? But you know, I just, like I said, I'm just, I'm not trying to sound ungrateful or anything, but I'm just trying to kind of just like, like ignore it, <laughs> you know, like ignore yeah, that yeah, stuff yeah. and just like keep on being cool if that's what I am, you know? And I guess one thing I wanted to talk about is I've I've read that you're quite close to getting signed. I don't know if if you have finally signed a deal or not. But I wonder if this might push up the price a little bit that you you've got kind of all this publicity this week. I know you were getting a lot for two and two. I think but... the price was already pretty high. You know, I'm, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like with the way two and two sounds, and it's not even like two of my own ones or anything like that. But you know, and just like with everyone who was like involved. I guess it's going to be like a pretty expensive date for whoever is like, you know, trying to like take me on that date, you know? Yeah, and, and I've heard you're working with Paul Epworth on uh, on some new material. Uh huh, is, yeah. Is that for an album or an EP? Are you getting straight in with an album? Um, he's, or? No, he's going to work on my album. I was going to put out a mixtape, but then like we just kind of sat and listened to like a lot of the stuff and like compared it to 212, and it was just like, eh, you know, maybe we should like back and take a little more time and just like put an actual album together because you see what happened with two and two i put it out and then like baby jay was like oh, my song like you know like he like just flipped out so just to avoid that happening again we're just gonna like you know do it the right way and try to do it legally and like you know you know what i mean yeah yeah <laughs> and kind of, kind of what what was it about paul that made you want to work with him and he's quite a big deal big name over here and says he worked with adele he's worked with florence and the machine so what what was it about him that kind of what attracted you? 
Paul, Paul is just like a really like real person, you know, like a lot of the time, just kind of like in this whole like world of just like hype and all this like other shit, you know, people like, people get twisted and they like forget where they came from and what they're here to do, you know, and I've kind of just like run into a lot of those people that are just like, you know, forgetting that like, you know, we're all still human beings and we're all still mm. going to die one day and like, let's actually like, you know, enjoy our time together and make some decent music and have fun with it rather than like, you know, like making it, but you know what I mean? Like, I mean, the music industry is an industry because people want to sell records and make money, obviously. But, and of course, Paul and I both want to make money, you know, but Paul's just like, it's just like, you know, I don't know, he's a lot, he's a lot more grounded than a lot of people that I've met, you know, and he just kind of like, like when I met him, we just kind of like, like hit it off, you know, we just like really clicked and we're just like, yo, like, we should do this together because I can help you fucking be amazing. You should trust me. And already it's kind of, it's, it's kind of humbling, like working with Paul Leppard is kind of humbling because, you know, when you come from this like place of doing stuff yourself and then, you know, Everyone is like jumping on it and they're like, oh, you're amazing, all this stuff. And then you get in the studio with somebody like that, you know, like you come there with kind of the same in your head, like, you know, like, I'm amazing because he's special and it is what it is. And then, like, you know, you start like singing for him and like playing him your ideas and he's like, um, no, actually, that sucks. How about you do it this way? And mm. you're like, what the fuck? Like, who are you? You know, and mm. then, like, you mm. really like kind of like drop your pride for a second and you're like, wait. This guy, like, obviously is doing something right and obviously knows what the fuck he's talking about. Let me, like, shut up and listen, you know? So, so how, how far into the, the recording process are you? Like, have you got any definite songs you think are well, going to be only, on there? We only, Paul and I only spent, like, three days or four days in the studio together because I was, like, touring, like, doing all that stuff. Like, you know, like, all those shows and all, you know, the Huxton show. And then I was in Amsterdam and I was in Paris and I was in Glasgow and, like, all that stuff. I just got back here. I actually just got out of the studio right now. So we're kind of like, I mean, we're not like all the way into it, but I have like enough like roughs, just like stuff that I need to be cut, you know, and then just kind of like shit that we're working on together. And like, it's just like, I don't know. It's, I think it's, it's going to be so much fun. Like, I'm just really excited. I'm moving to London next month, but you guys are going to see fucking a shitload of Azealia things, mm. you know, um, because yeah. obviously you, you're doing our, you're doing our tour as well. Obviously you're doing that in uh, in February. Hell yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm really excited about. That you know, like I'm really, 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 really excited about that. Um, just because you know, whatever you know, I have like you know performance background and stuff like that, and that's just what I love to do. So it'll be like it, it's it's kind of like my chance to like really like you know perform again, like perform perform again. You know, like I feel like you know rap shows. Or just, just as, like, someone who has, like, musical theater background or whatever, rap shows don't really give you that same, like, adrenaline rush as you do when you're, like, on stage, like, singing and acting and dancing and all kinds of stuff like that. So it'll be, like, you know, my chance to, like, get that rush again. <laughs> and, and are you kind of, are you aware of the, the other bands who are on the tour? Do you know, do you know of Two Door Cinema Club? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met, I met, I met Metronomy in Paris, um... And they were like really awesome guys. Like, oh my god, they were so nice. Like, they were just such nice people. I haven't met Tudor Cinema Club, but um, Metronomy, I, and Tudor Cinema Club all have the same agent. So we're kind of like, I don't know, we kind of have like, or my booking company kind of has like a monopoly on you guys' tour this year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I'm thinking that I'm guessing that it'll be fun. Like, I checked out some of the tracks and stuff. It's cool. Like, everything, everything seems really cool, you know? 
Oh, and just to take you back to the album stuff, I remember reading in the Pitchfork interview, you mentioned a track, Licorice. Is is that right? Is uh, is that is that likely to be on the album? Um, yeah, yes and no because um, it samples something that's already out. But I mean, like if we can work it out with the guy where we can clear it and put it out, then you know we'll probably release that as a single aside from the album. Or like you know what we'll do, we'll probably like put it out with the video and then put it on the album as well. But I mean, I think that song just got him. Like, I don't know, like, I don't want to be, like, tooting my own horns right now, you know, because, mm. and this is another reason why I was just kind of, like, you know, a little, like, you know, kind of, like, not, not, like, put off, but just, like, a little scared about the enemy coolest thing, because it's, like, you know, like, I want to just, like, make whatever I want to make as a musician, you know, I want to, like, you know, like, whatever, I'm a 20-year-old black girl, 20-year-old black girl, be, like, sing R&B songs and all kinds of shit like that, you know what I mean? So mm, I just want to, mm. like... I just want to keep that, like, you know, that open. So, like, you know, if I put, if I decide to put out a pop song next and then put out, like, some, like, deep, broody, like, ballad and then put out another song, like, 212, that I have the freedom to do that, I don't want, you know what I mean? I'm just kind of scared that I'm going to, like, and, you know, whatever. You can't really be scared with this stuff, but I'm scared that, like, you know, I'm going to put some of my stuff out and then people are going to be like, oh, she's, like, trying to go pop and like all of the stuff but it's like of course I'm trying to go pop like <laughs> of course I am you yeah. know what I mean like why wouldn't I be are you, are you kind of suggesting that the album's going to be quite diverse sounding then? Because there's such a clash of sounds on yeah, it's sort of 2 on 2. It's going to be really kind of like it's going to be crazy. I'm excited it's going to be really crazy. Like, who were like the big sort of touch like touchstone influences that you know when you're in the studio you've kind of got in the back of your mind as as kind of big influences on on your sound. Um, I definitely love Rihanna. I love Rihanna so much. Um, I definitely really like. I don't know. See, it's it's weird. Like when I like like I have like obviously like I'm like kind of like still kind of like you know a civilian. Not saying that regular people are different from like these people at all, but I'm kind of still like you know in like the end of my life anonymity and you know like I guess I'm still allowed to like be like fans of pop artists and stuff like that but I'm definitely a really big Rihanna fan just kind of like aesthetically you know like you know what she does with her voice and like just like inflection and stuff like that and like how sexy she is I think that's great Aaliyah is definitely a really really big one like you know whenever I'm like singing something and I'm like just kind of like you know like you know how she's just kind of like really like just everything she did was just so sexy but it was like classy it wasn't like you know like kind of over the top basically what we do in in enemy quite a lot is we like to get bands and artists recommending albums and new bands to to readers make you know basically stuff that you think our readers maybe should be hearing but haven't heard yet um so who okay, for, um, for, for next year who do you think is going to be like a, a big new act a big new band to be to be looking out for or you know it could be in any genre. It doesn't have to be, you know, in the kind of enemy rock sort of mold. It could be hip hop or R and B or. Hmm. Um. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Oh, okay. There's this like really awesome band called Rocky Business. They're actually like really good friends of mine. They're from New York City. Um. Not too many people know about them at all, but their first mixtape. Um, it's just called the Rocky Business Mixtape. It's just fucking amazing. Like, and it's, it's kind of like, um, 
I don't know, it's weird. They're like a band and they have a rapper. I like some of their songs are like a little like 311, you know, you remember them, right? Or 311, whatever you want to call them. That like yeah, kind of yeah. little guys out of LA. Like, I don't know. They, I don't know. They, and then they have like some stuff that's like indie rock. They got some stuff that's like straight hip hop. It's like, they're really, really interesting and they've actually been my friends for a really long time. They're awesome. Who else do I like? Okay, no, Maluka is like, Maluka's that bitch. Like, she signed to Mad Decent and she made, she's this song called Loka and this other song called Lola. She's like literally like Maluka's the shit. Like, Maluka's really popping. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she's, mm. she's the best. She's, she's like, she's a Dominican girl from uptown and she does, like, you know, I don't know, like, it's hip-hop, but it's house, but it's, like, it's not really hip-hop, it's more, like, house, kind of, like, merengue, kind of, like, I don't know, she, she does her, like, her thing, you know, she's a Spanish girl, so she raps in Spanish and, like, sings in Spanish and stuff like that, but she's really good. One other thing we do is called Lost Albums, which is where artists pick out an album maybe from, you know, ten years ago, five years ago, that kind of got forgotten at the time, but, you know, you think deserves a bit more kind of critical praise and you know maybe needs to be remembered and basically we're putting together a whole issue of these where like bands pick out like one each like a lost album uh that then fans can go back and and find you know dig it out on itunes or dig it out you know in the local record store um who does anything okay. spring to mind for that for you um let me think real quick real quick real quick um Oh my God! Do you remember Electric Red? Do you remember Electric Red? They were um, the Dream had this like he like kind of like constructed this girl group, and he basically wrote all their songs. But they were like these girls who were like backup dancers and stuff like that. So he like put this girl group together, and they and he wrote this album called How to Be a Lady. And what 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 is it you love about about that album? Just kind of like the like the melodies and like you know obviously the Dream is like an awesome like songwriter. I don't know like. If you can't already tell, I'm like a huge, I just, I, you know, even if I'm not a fan of pop music, I just kind of have, I have like a really just kind of huge appreciation for pop music, just because I think that there's like, you know, a science in writing songs that are that, like, acceptable to that many people, mm. you know? And I think that's cool, but yeah, he really just kind of like went in on that. It was like, it was just really cool, like, and I don't know, you may listen to it and be like, what the fuck is this shit, but I love it. Um... So yeah, that record and I don't know. I'm sure everyone knows about Stereo Lab, but I, I don't know. Like in my opinion, I think they should be like. I think everyone should listen to Stereo Lab. But do you remember that album, Australians for or it's like it's like Australians. I don't know how to say the word, and I don't want to say it and sound retarded. But it's like Australians from the anti sun or something. Yeah, I mean they, they were they were kind of really kind of spacey. British kind of uh, kind of prog, almost like prog band, weren't they? From about sort of ten. Yeah, well, 10 I think years. I believe they're French. Are they French, Stereo Love? I thought I thought they were British. Yeah, Stereo, I believe they're French. Yeah. You're giving me a lesson in indie here, Azalea. This is amazing. This is, this is amazing. <laughs> so, what 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 is it you like yeah, about? They're amazing. They've got like such a they've got such a big catalog of stuff, and it's just like you can kind of never get tired of their sound. You know, it's just kind of like oh, so amazing. And what, what's your favorite track on the album then? My favorite track on that album is this. Okay, there's there's this one song called um, um, there's this one song called the Free Design that I really like, and there's this other song called Brigitte that I like a lot. 
And like, what what is what is it particularly about those those tracks? That I mean, is there is there a time you remember hearing those songs and they take you back to that time, or what 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 is it particularly? I mean, it kind of that that album just kind of takes me back to like the beginning of my like just kind of um, finding out like just finding music out, you know? It's like I was like Broadway baby, you know, just kind of like doing all that like, musical theater stuff. And kind of my first, like, entry into, like, outside music, of course, like, I listened to, like, Hot 97, which is, like, the popular hip-hop station in New York and stuff like that when I was little. But I would listen to, like, My Chemical Romance, and, like, The Academy Is, and, like, you know, whatever was on MTV at the time, you know, like, um, Kaiser Chiefs and, like, Block Party and stuff like that. But I started getting, like, really, really, really into music around that time. Mm. So it kind of just takes me back to, like, all those, like, weird days where I'd just be, like, on my computer and, like, kind of, like, just looking through, like, you know, freaking, like, copies of NME and stuff like that, you mm-hmm. know, and wearing, oh, my God, I used to wear, like, checkerboard bands and, like, high-top Nikes and shit. Oh, my God. But, yeah, it's, that, that's one of the main things I think people have always pick up on with you, that you you seem to be hugely into your Indian. Like, Stereolab is a, is a classic choice for this lost albums issue because they are a band that people who are in the know know about them but they're not kind of known you know in a, in a huge commercial way if you know what I mean they're still quite a quite an underground group really yeah oh yeah anyway um I won't take up any more of your time today Zelia Thank, thanks for taking the time to to chat I hope you're not too I really, I really hope I didn't sound ungrateful because I'm not sounding ungrateful I'm just more maybe like just kind of Maybe it's just my insecurity or, like, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm very grateful to be number one on... I'm, I'm, I'm actually very grateful that you guys think I'm that cool. More, <laughs> I would say. So, yeah, just, 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 you know, carry on being cool, I guess, is, the, is, is how I will wrap up here, you know. Put out a great album and uh, carry on being cool and I'm sure you'll be top again next year. Oh, yeah. All right, thanks so much. Okay. Well, th- thanks for your time, Zeely. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, you too. So that's it. I love the fact that the the one thing that I took from that interview, and Rick hated this because he didn't like it. I toyed with it. I toyed with editing this. He was like, "Yeah, I'm going to edit that bit out." I was like, "No, you're really not," Um, because it 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 doesn't show that she knows more than you. It just shows that she had her finger on the pulse of an India indie kind of indie world as well. I love the fact that she told she she schooled you on something, but actually, you know, true Rick style, you went away and you 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 researched this, didn't you? So 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 I'm not I'm not the biggest Stereo Lab fan. I'm kind of aware. Of them. They're one of those names, you know, uh, spacey kind of rock stuff from the, the yeah, kind of late nineties. Really um, but she said they were French, and I said they were British. Turns out we're both right. You're both right. Okay. So they're French British. They, they had French members, but were based in London. Thank God for that, because if you hadn't have done that research, that bit would have been taken out, and right, I, exactly, cr- yeah. I, would, I might have cried. I might have sat here crying right now, right? being sat here crying. But you know. Yeah, and I think probably the other really interesting aspect of this interview uh, for me was her talking about working with Paul Epworth on new material for her debut album, uh, when you think that the album actually took years years to be released, and what actually happened next, I mean, as is kind of normal with artists like this. That, but you know, it took a long, long time. T- it took three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and But I think in the interim, I mean, I think to be fair on her, you know, she did put music out, so the, um, the 1991 EP came out that had licorice on it. That I know we... We rarely agree on music. You think we're doing mm. a music podcast, so we agree on music. This is one of the tracks that we both 
really like. What is it about Licorice you like, though? I absolutely loved it. Because I, re- I remember it coming out, and I love Acid House. And I think that's probably for another podcast entirely. But I bloody love Acid House. Um, and for me, it, it, I think this, this came at just a point after the Claxons had kind of unearthed a bit of Acid House and a bit of the old dance school classics and Rave, which I loved the fact that they'd done that. Which is all which was on episode three of of Demo Tapes. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen. You listen to the wrong one. (laughs) Well, you know, there's multiple things we can talk about on these episodes. But so for me, uh, I've loved the fact that she was bringing, again, merging the kind of um, genres, bringing rap in her, her own kind of unique style onto an Acid House track. And... And really, you know, the Claxons and, and that kind of new rave scene redid it in a different way. They didn't actually; it wasn't exactly the same. So what she'd done is she'd kind of just taken Acid House and put her, her put her own stamp on it. And it from the first listen, it was a real it was a hit with me. And I love her video to that as well. And then obviously after the release of the 1991 EP in 2012 uh, came her debut mixtape, Fantasy. And, and, and mixtapes in the hip-hop world are obviously used as a bit of a stopgap mm-hmm. between singles, between albums. They often have unauthorised samples, therefore they're not really officially put out a lot of the time. And she needed a stopgap, didn't she? Because it took... How long did it take to Well, bring we've, a... we've just said three three years from, from yeah, the release of amazing. 212. I mean, that's... That's a way to lose a bit of a bit of momentum, isn't it? That's a long time. Three years, especially in the music world as well. A lot, a lot and culturally as well, a lot had changed. So she, she really did need that. But I mean, why, why was it so long? I think there were wrangles with the label, is my understanding. Right. She kept promising it was coming. You know, in the spring of one year, she'd say it was coming in the autumn, and the autumn would roll around, and there'd be it'd be pushed back again. People still waiting. So I guess she just kind of got a bit impatient and eventually just released it herself, right? Well, the release was a bit odd because there was no fanfare to it. It was one of those kind of rush-released albums and you'd think something that had been waited for for, for three years wouldn't have been put out in, in kind of the way it was. But I guess um, it's interesting, I think, almost to think about, well, what was she doing for those three years? It wasn't that she wasn't making music. It was probably that she was making a few enemies. I mean, that's well, kind yes. of where we want to go next. So, with this yeah, year, isn't that's it? exactly what we want to do next. And you have done your research, haven't you? And you've got, you've got printed out... You here. Rick's printed out a list of people that she has feuds with, and I don't think she'd mind us saying this because I think they're quite openly public. Aren't well, it's, they? it's it's common knowledge, you know. And again, we're we're not sat here saying it's abnormal for people in the hip hop world to have to have beef, or any to have world, fallouts, or know. any world. Yeah, you know, even. You know, <laughs> you know, even we can think. I can think of some bands that hate each other. I mean, I probably don't want to go into that now, but it's not. Yeah, some of them I pitted against for... each other back in my enemy days. Exactly. So that's probably for, yeah, that's, that's probably, probably your fault. Story, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, we you know we don't record these episodes with no uh, with no research whatsoever. Not everything exists in our in our memories. And I thought, you know, I might just go and have a little trip down memory lane of some of the 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 beefs that Azealia Banks has had with. Probably the one we can mention first up is the one that's blowing up today as we record, which yeah. is with uh, Lana Del Rey. Lana Del Rey. Not the most obvious one, I don't think, but I, um, I'm loving the tweets that are going off back and forth between the two. Um, Azealia's saying that Lana Del Rey needs to call her um, uh, surgeon. Uh, <laughs> literally going uh-huh. as far as that. And Lana Del Rey is saying to Azealia, kind of inviting her over to her house. She's like, you know where I am. Um, pop over, roll through, and, and we can sort this out. Basically inviting her to have a fight with her. Um, kind of live to the world I, um, the, it all ended actually with Azealia saying um, I'm calling my lawyer essentially and Lana was like cool call him so 
TBC, you know, next episode, we may have a bit of an update on that one, just as a throwaway comment. But um, I mean, it might be already on Sky Box Office, the, might, the fight, yeah. Might, 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 I'd love to see that fight between those two. It'd be... It'd be uh, who'd win? Who do you think would win? Who'd win a fight between Azealia Banks and Lana Del Rey? I mean, probably Azealia Banks, I would say. I mean, Lana Del Rey's quite a willowy, I think you know, quite Azealia a Azealia would win a... But you don't know, you don't know her, do you? I mean, that might be a public perception. Hang on, is, is, it, is it sexist if a bloke talks about two women fighting? Uh, uh, probably is, isn't it? There's probably some element of sexism to this. I don't, how, I don't want how? the Me Too Brigade after me. No, so. no, no, no. Guilty we're both, we're both talking about it. It's fine. It's two people fighting. Uh, so who else has she fallen out with? Nicki Minaj? Um, Cardi B. Cardi B. Lily Allen. So yeah, you know, Lily Allen was an interesting one. Another another um another artist who's who's not shy of, of offering her opinion and, and you know, maybe maybe falling out with people. And and I understand here the beef went all the way back to kind of twenty thirteen when Azealia Banks called um Lily Allen's then husband Sam Cooper ugly. <laughs> oh uh, and then Bank and then she apparently even apparently allegedly uh, insulted the looks of Lily Allen's kids. Um and then Lily oh, Allen came back far, with I've had two kids since two one two came out, and I bet my album still comes out first. I mean, ah, oh, the thing is, what I really like about Lily Allen is that she she's good at things like this. So actually, quite sharp witted, yeah, very sharp witted. So I, I, quite, I hope that I find that hilarious. So who else have we got on there then? So there's Iggy Azalea. Oh yeah, another another rapper. She's from Australia, isn't she? And is that she's because they had her. similar names? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I think when Iggy Azalea first got out came out I think a lot of people thought it was Celia Banks I don't know what's the future was it sounding a little sheet Rick this is quite dark so it's all about uh, Banks responding to an interview in which Azalea revealed the criticism she'd received since breaking into music made her contemplate suicide oh. Azalea Banks commented on Instagram encouraging Azalea's suicide no no so that's that's gone down a dark road wow. Rihanna so obviously Azalea in the interview we've just played talked about how Rihanna was a big influence yeah and then Azealia Banks kind of fell out with Rihanna over uh, the whole Donald Trump presidency run. Oh, yeah. So, well, also there's another, because she's fallen out with Kanye about this as well. I don't know if you saw those tweets that were going on, but Kanye was wearing that hat. I think you, oh, the Donald most Trump people hat, would yeah. have seen that. Yeah, so I think it was Lana Del Rey commented on that, saying that she was she basically wasn't very happy with it. Um, and that's when Azealia Banks and Lana Del Rey started having their little feud. So it's all kind of interconnected with each other, isn't it? Yeah, but you know what? I do wonder sometimes whether all of this is planned. You know, you, there's probably some amazing hotshot oh, PR you person. Cynic, you. Yeah, you know, a PR person, aren't I? There's a PR person sat there in some office somewhere in the world going, right, I know, we need to mix this up a bit. Who's involved? You know, who's, whose records do we need to sell? Who's got an album coming out soon? I'm a very big cynic, aren't I? But I think there's, there's an element. There was an element of that back in the day. Obviously, bl the whole Blur and Oasis thing was pretty much engineered by the record labels. But yeah. equally, I do think in the kind of in the modern world of social media, where actually you can't control artists as much as maybe you could in the past. No, but so I maybe these are kind of genuine fallouts. But why do they do it? Like it, with a public forum, do they want people to back them? Is that what it's about? I'd, I'm just confused about the whole. You know, why would you put this on Twitter? What what? benefit is that going to give either of you because there are going to be people you might lose fans over it because fans might not agree with your the way you're treating another person i don't know but you say that i mean you know we all get trolled on social media from time to time and the, the temptation in the first instance is always to fire back isn't it I don't, I don't think i would i think i'd just laugh at them and leave it and like the comment 
Oh, the whole rise above thing that everyone's supposed to do. But You're no meant to do, yeah, but yeah. in the heat at the moment, it's harder, isn't it? So we've digressed we have. massively again. <laughs> we have we have massively digressed, um, but I guess what we should really say is that recently she has cancelled the release of her second album, Shock. Fantasy 2. Um, but actually, again, in the Rolling Stone uh, article I did read, I think it was from August, it said it's upcoming very very soon so she cancelled it and it's upcoming soon um i think it's going to be great i'm very excited to hear it i think we need to discuss it when it comes out again in some shape or form whether we do it on instagram as an instagram story probably we don't think don't think we'll dedicate another episode to it but um We'll definitely talk about it on social media. Um, will she ever put it out? Who knows? Well, there's a couple <laughs> of singles. Treasure Island and Anna Wintour both came out. They're both quite pop. She seems yep. to have gone down a bit of a pop, kind of a pop route on on this newer stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not sure if I like it quite as much. Um, but I, I, I imagine that she's probably left some of the fierceness for for the album because you know she's probably she's she's got to do that because that's her, isn't it? But yeah, I can't wait. But yeah, so th- thanks for listening. Um, if you haven't listened to the first three episodes of Demo Tapes, you can uh, go back and listen to them. We, as Rick said earlier, we are on iTunes, we're on Spotify, and we're also on Audio Boom. Uh, if you do fancy giving us a five star rating, that'd be really cool. Um, we'd really like that on iTunes because it will, ha- will help us um, and also yeah you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram again just to recap our handle is DemotapesPod and you can email us at DemotapesPod at gmail.com so yeah thanks again for listening guys and we look forward to next week see you later